And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Son of Slovenia, cool as hell. He scores the ball and he rebounds well. Don't fight the future. Here comes Luca. Welcome to 77 Minutes, a Dallas Mavericks podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network, the only podcast that does not want to go back to Utah. There's really no need. I'm Tim Cato. I talk and write about the Mavericks. We got Austin Gurria. We're doing a Game 5 post-game podcast, and, like, this series is over. Let me, here, let me say, let me rephrase it. As long as the Mavericks choose to win the series as long as they execute all of the answers and solutions they have for Utah that has been proven incredibly clear that they have. They're winning the series, and they really should win in Game 6. So I'm sorry, but you're going to have to go back to Utah for Game 8. For it's Game 8? Game 8. Game 8 is happening. It's, I don't like that. This, the series is getting extended. Why would you even say that? You're, honestly, you're just going to have to keep going back to Utah in perpetuity. It's... We're, there are no more round twos. It's, it's not perfect. Compet- it's purgatory. <laughs> I would be in hell. If listen, it's worse than purgatory. If if they blew a four point lead in forty seconds in game four, just so you have to go back to Utah, you're going to be going back there for game eight. Maybe maybe that ESPN stat wasn't uh, juiced at all. Yeah. Maybe maybe it really is their curse that they are one. They're one of the five teams out of like seven million attempts that have. Uh, that have lost four point leads. When when Dirk said Utah was a bad city, he he meant it. He knew there was something spiritual going on there. You're, you're gonna have to keep going back there. I don't want to. Don't make me. Well, I mean, they're, only only Dirk can save me. They're going back for Game Six, and I think that will be the end of that. I, I think so too, I, dude. Especially if Donovan Mitchell can't play. Yeah, I I think he's gonna play, and I think just, he's gonna be hampered. Yeah, he said it was tightness, yeah. not a strain. Like, he spoke after the game, which just speaking is somewhat of a sign that it's not a severe, severe injury. I saw his, his comments, and I got to watch on NBA TV. It's, yeah. It seemed like it was tightness and not that he really had a bad pull. But even that, that's it's you don't want that in an elimination game. No, you don't. You know, and ham, hamstrings are not things to be fucked with. No, they're not fun. Anyway, what'd you what'd you make of the game? I mean, you you told me. So I was uh, we're recording here in person uh, Monday night. You told me earlier in the day that you were expecting a blowout. Honestly, I I kind of was too. And in a Mavericks blowout, blowout to be very clear, like I just there hadn't been one in the series, and it did feel like we were coming up on it being blowout o'clock. It felt like that because the Jazz were out of chess moves. They had no other further adjustments they could make to the Maverick defense or the Maverick offense. 
But the Mavericks still had a lot of chess moves on the board because they played their first game with Luka Doncic last game. This was the first game they got to make adjustments with Luka and make adjustments to how he's playing in this series. And they made a few adjustments, and it they really came through. And I think... I, I honestly think this, this one was a blowout because Kid made really good adjustments to their offensive game plan. Um, what, like what? What did you see? So Powell played more than Maxi in this game. And Maxi Maxi didn't get in foul trouble. He didn't there was nothing weird going on with Maxi, and he's been the key every, every, not only the key to the series, but like literally everyone has talked about how the Mavs will play five out, put put Maxi in the corner, put Gobert in the corner. We've seen this scheme plenty of times. It's pretty fireproof to like run that scheme against Utah. And the Mavs came on, they played Dwight Paul a lot. They ran a lot of like Spain pick and rolls where they, they had Max or they had Dwight screen for Luca and they had another wing come back and screen Gobert as Luca was getting to the rim. Luca got like three or four actual layups at the rim against the Jazz. And I think in game four they didn't generate as many shots at the rim. And they were able to do that in this game because they actually did not play a, a great offensive game. How how can Spain run a pick and roll though? It's a continent. Listen, Spain can do whatever or they want. Or is it Arpic Calico? How do you say that word? Our, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna test my my pronunciation skills. Yeah, but it's it's the one where it's three sides surrounded by water, right? I'm, Which is what the Mavericks defense made utah feel like archipelago yeah that's closer i will say spain can do whatever they want i think they proved that in the early 1000s (sighs) that's going way back we're going going way way far back we're going to want to i was worried we were about to get a fascist joke a a little world history it's for the best (laughs) yeah i thought i honestly the first half wasn't a great half from the mavericks now yeah it was good it was definitely good i mean they they led by 16 and a half time it was a good half they weren't great. They were not sensational. I thought Utah was bad. I thought Utah got a lot of open threes, open-ish threes, like quality, decent three-point looks. They were not getting anything at the rim. They didn't get anything at the rim all game. We should talk about their defense and just how incredible it is that the Mavericks can wall off the paint against uh, a team like Utah. Yeah. Um, but just about that first half, you know, it, it, was, it was a little bit odd. The first quarter was insanely slow. Like, the tempo, at one point, the pace was 84, and then Donovan had a fast-break layup uh, late, very late in the quarter, uh, in the quarter, and it, it sped up to, like, 89. But, but again, the Mavericks averaged, like, 92 pace. So that's, that's all paces is an average of possessions that yeah. you take. A lot of teams average, like, 98, 99 possessions per game. The Mavericks consistently this season are like 92. That was even slower than that. And then the second quarter was weirdly fast and and frantic and hectic. And the Mavericks still came out on top even then. And, you know, they did give up some open three-pointers that Utah just didn't hit. And I think that was, you know, that's when it went from, oh, Utah's going to put up a fight not not from an effort standpoint. I think their effort was there at least until halfway through the third quarter. But they just weren't making shots. And I, I wonder, I, I think some of it may, may have been the AAC, uh, the, the, the crowd atmosphere there. Uh, some of it may have just been a resignation to how this series is going now that Luke is back on the court. Yeah, no. I. If you were at the game tonight, you are in the A's, you contributed to that win. It, that that game was, it was frenetic, that whole I'm an unbiased half. journalist, thank you very much. I, 
I, I really, contribute to nothing. I'm gonna say you didn't contribute. I know you were yelling. I've seen you at games. <laughs> It's it's been very rare where I have to turn down the volume on my television because the crowd is so loud that it's like drowning out the sound on my TV, and I need to just turn down the sound. I, I don't know what it is about the AAC that whenever the playoffs get here, this has been a consistent theme. I've covered games for ten years, so recently not a lot of playoff games, but even last year, especially, you know, I thought the crowds were great. Their crowds have always been great at the AAC. Like, they're, the decibel level, I swear, goes up by, like, an average of 10 instantly when the postseason hits. I don't know what is causing that to happen specifically, but I, I genuinely believe that's the case. It's a I, really good I playoff think crowd. I went to game one, and I thought it was a good crowd, but not a great crowd, just because it was a weird that's noon fair. game. Yeah. And even I was like, that's it's very early to go to a basketball game at noon. But this game specifically, first of all, it was Luca's first playoff game this season at home and second of all it was at 8 30 so like everyone had enough time to like get off of work and drive and also have a drink before and be in the seat so it was packed when the when the, when the game started um and also i think everyone is sick of utah everyone has a real <laughs> i honestly there's a real disdain for utah i think if it was like the suns like i think it would have been similar but i think everyone is really ready to get utah like all the way out of here and you could tell it was really it was really loud in there. And honestly, like it affected even like the Mavericks to some point where they had a lot of bad turnovers in that first quarter. And they got very frenetic and they rushed things. And I think Luca had a couple bad turnovers in that first quarter. And it made the game feel like frenetic and chaotic in a way that the game three against I think the Clippers last year kind of felt in that first quarter, but channeled differently. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, I talked about Utah's three-point shooting. I I do think they left some points on the table there. The Mavericks are 12 of 43. Once again, also winning the three-point battle. They had 13 more attempts behind the arc. A lot of good attempts. And they didn't hit nearly as many as they could have. Now, they still came out of this with a 112 offensive rating. Um, That's impressive for as many shots as they missed. Yeah, I mean, you know, they had 102 points, and 102 feels like a bad offensive rating. Again, the, the pace ended up being... Very slow, yet again. The Mavericks had uh, 92 possessions, which again, a lot of a lot of games, a lot of teams crack 100 in a game. Uh, so that second quarter was definitely the outlier in terms of, oh yeah, they're they're just running up and down the court, and in that it did feel like Utah had like let's go for it energy. They just didn't have execution, and. I don't think their let's go for it energy is enough to win them the series, but they at least had it that quarter, and the Mavericks just out executed consistently in the second quarter, and then by the second half, it was you know the third quarter, it was so clearly over. There, that first six minutes was where either team could have just won the game. There were lots of open shots that were there to be had, and it was just such a frenetic energy in that in the arena that. It kind of just equalized out. Because Utah generated good... Sh- Those first six minutes, I think, was their best six minutes of basketball that they played. They they generated really good open threes. They generated a, like a good couple looks in the paint, and they missed almost all of them. Yeah. And once that happened, I think they kind of slumped their shoulders. It was kind of a lot of like the early season Mavericks where they weren't hitting shots, and so then it started affecting their defense. And you could tell because like Bogdanovich didn't play the defense he played in the last game. Mitchell didn't play the defense he played in the last game. I think Gobert was 
a little more foul happy, a little more. He wasn't as locked in as he was in the first few games, and you could tell it. it the way that they started that game and the shots that they missed, it affected the way that they played for the remainder of the game. Man, where would Utah be without Jordan Clarkson? Man, he was. He was. <laughs> He's been the only people person making shots this entire series. I'm honestly like them. I I I mean honestly I don't want any injuries and I would I want Don Mitchell to be 100 percent healthy. But like if Don Mitchell just happened to miss the game and they had to just play Jordan Clarkson all of his minutes and got all of his shots, I don't think that would be a good outcome for the Mavs. <laughs> I think that would be he's been hitting shots the whole he's his shooting splits for the series are nuts. He's like 50-50, like 90 for the whole series. I, I mean, I, I think you can make the argument that one reason Clarkson has been effective is because he's not been guarded by Finney Smith, right? Yeah. Um, like, they need one guard to take the pressure off. I will say, like, it's it's baffling to me that Daniel House hasn't played more. Uh, you know, their only good bench player, uh, or sorry, outside of Clarkson. The only good perimeter player, like, like who can go both ways. Um, you know, and they may make that adjustment. Like, I just don't think it matters. You know, I, I think... Like we've been saying, Dallas left a lot on the table. If they just come out with a very focused, let's get this series done with, and they're able to out-execute Utah, Game Six is done. You know, I don't think it's a close game either. You know, it might not, it might not be a blowout, but but you know, I think they have a comfortable ten-point lead if they execute as well as they can. Even if Utah f- makes what few adjustments they have left and does a reasonable job of executing in the ways that we've seen them execute in the in the regular season. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's it sucks that Mitchell tweaked his hamstring, but I think the only adjustment that Quinn has left is to start Daniel House over Conley. Um, I think you saw my interaction with Haralabob on Twitter <laughs> over this, but I think, like, that is literally the only adjustment that's left, but it's very difficult to change your starting lineup in Game 6 of a playoff series. It's it's so deep and so far into a series to make a huge starting lineup adjustment to someone who you pay, I don't know, it's 28 million, 20, like a, a, a really highly paid player to bench him. Who, Conley? Yeah, Conley. He's up there somewhere, yeah. And that's really the only, Conley's been bad. I like Mike Conley a lot. I re- I've been a huge Mike Conley fan for his entire career. Honestly, he's been so irrelevant that he- it hasn't even been pointing out that he's been bad in this series. He's been literally just invisible and not like impactful in almost any game in this series. And having might as well have Daniel House out there who can at least guard Brunson or Luca on a switch rather than having Conley out there who can't do that and who can be attacked. I think I said this on a previous podcast, but it's it's so weird that Conley is not having the mid thirties, uh, just aging like wine, like Kyle Lowry and like um, oh, who's the other guard? Kyle Lowry is one of them. There's there's another guard who's you know just like smart, quirky point guard who anyway it'll come to me. But but you know Lowry's a good example of someone who I'm he's, like he's not even been as good as like Drogic. Yeah, like he's been like really bad like he hasn't been like Drogic has been as good for the Nets as Conley's been as good for the Jazz yeah what do you think of Luca's game overall I thought Luca had a he had a a decent Luca game it's funny that he had that really like 
great stretch in the third quarter, and everyone went nuts. But I honestly, I wouldn't make, I wouldn't say this is like a phenomenal game. He had, actually he had a lot of bad turnovers in the first half. I thought he actually he was sloppy with the ball, but I liked the pace that he played with. I liked the matchups that he chose. I liked the process that he had, and I think the results were a little shaky in the first half. And I think he also he allowed the offense to run faster while he was on the floor, which is something that he struggled with, honestly, throughout his entire career. And I thought he did a really good job of that today. Um, he had a lot of sloppy turnovers in the first half, but if he can eliminate those in game six, he's still he's still getting back into a rhythm. But I thought the process that he played with, and I thought he didn't slow down the offense and he didn't impede the progress of the offense, which is great. I mean, he had a he had a court to court, baseline to baseline, fast break layup. Yeah, I saw that and I was like, oh, he he. Someone told him to to do that. And I was like, I've never yeah. seen him just like grab a rim and like you know I'm getting a, a full fast break. I mean, it was back-to-back positions. It was like um, Brunson tried to dunk on somebody and missed the dunk. And then Luka had a fast-break layup. And I was like, okay, well, they have an emphasis to play fast. Because neither of those guys do any of those things in any game. I've watched them play a bazillion basketball games. Neither of you guys were ever doing that. So it it was good to see that they can change the way that they play. And they could speed up their play so it improves the rest of the offense. And I thought... Bullock and Dorian, even though they didn't shoot great tonight, I thought they also felt more involved because the offense moved faster and the ball was popping around a little bit more. Yeah, I think the way Jason Kidd wants them to play in transition, like he he understands Luca, a Luca offense will never be fast tempoed, and quite frankly, should not be. Like you should play at Luca's pace. He's really good. If if his pace is slower and in less possessions and takes a lot of shots late in late in the shot clock, yeah, that's how you should play. But Jason does want them running strategically or, or with calculations of oh wait look look at the court like they're not settled we have a chance here, and they did a little bit more of that. They had eight fast break points. It felt like it could have been more. There was also like I I, I don't it's so funny I didn't take a lot of notes this game. There it didn't feel like there's a lot of notes to take. There was one moment, you know, which maybe applies to this, that Jalen Brunson absolutely pushed it. Pushed it straight in. He got two feet in the paint, but there was nothing there, and he pulled it out, and he reset. And I think that's also what Jason wants. Like, Kid is looking for the team to push it, not to force it. And when you're pushing it, when you have an emphasis, when you have a mental emphasis to push the ball, it's very easy to get sloppy or be like, oh, all right, I'm up the court in three seconds, and I've got the ball in the paint. Where's the shot? You don't have to do that. Like You can push it all the way up the court, realize there's nothing there, realize that Utah got back or whoever you're playing got back, reset their defense well enough that you know there isn't a three-point shooter coming open. Yeah, just, just run your offense then. So it, it's, not, it's not so much that every time they run up the court because they might see a numbers advantage, they got to shoot it. You know, just like take take a few possessions when you get a rebound in the right place in the hands of a ball handler, and see if there's anything there. And and I did see a little bit more of that, even when it didn't lead to stuff. Yeah, and I think there was a really good possession that really exemplified that, and that they pushed the ball, and because they pushed it, the Jazz were scrambling back and they were running back, and. I think Jalen. I think pulled, I know which one you're talking Jaylen about. Jalen pulled it out, and Spencer got the ball, and he got to attack the rim. And Gobert was running back, and he wasn't set, and so Spencer got to attack Gobert when he wasn't 
ready for him to attack him and drew a foul. And that's, I think that was, I, I saw that position. And I was like, that's exactly what they want. They want to play early, early offense. You don't have to run every single time or put up a shot directly on a fast break. But when you get to attack a defense that's not completely set and is not sitting there waiting for you, you get the opportunity to attack gaps, attack players who aren't ready for you to attack them and to draw fouls. Because I think this is the first time all series that they got Rudy into actual foul trouble. And that was really important. I mean, they they would have won the game otherwise, but it helped them. It helped grease the wheels to them getting us an easier victory. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f- best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Maxie's out here being like, oh, I got in foul trouble with two short games. You, you, think, you, think, uh, you think I can't stay out of foul trouble? I'm going to commit zero. Now, I'm going to have zero points. And I'm going to have, <laughs> he did have five rebounds. Um, and he was, look, he's effective. Like, he doesn't have to be hitting a bunch of three because they're guarding him now. He, he had, you know what? He did, he's already done everything he needs to in this series. He like, had in all he series threes in a game. Yeah. Right. Like, like once you do him. that, yeah, once you do that, it changes the dynamics when he's on the court. You know, it's funny. Like, like he was plus 15. Now, he was he, plus 15? Yeah, and in, in, in Powell was plus fourteen. Well, I guess everyone was probably a plus in this oh, game. Oh yeah, every, everybody was pretty plus. But he was plus fifteen, and, and Powell was plus fourteen. And it's funny, Powell has had better plus minuses than, uh, than him most of the series because Powell gets played when Whiteside's on the court. Like yeah. that helps boost things a little bit. Is that they, you know, the the way that they find opportunities, they're like, oh, Dwight's a good matchup against Hassan. Yeah, you know, and we're going to use them very strategically with. No bench players. But yeah, you know. Anyway, I, I'm not really going any, anywhere with that. Uh, we, honestly, we can wrap up now. Like, we're going to have to do a series moratorium. Um, moratorium? Yeah, that's the right word. An obituary? 
obituary. I think obituary. Mo- moratorium would mean that we're you're gonna be in Utah and just for like five or six days while we wait yeah. to see the, the outcome of the series. I, I anticipate that we will have an obituary coming probably after game six. Again, look, the Mavericks could just have an awful shooting night and Utah could have a really good shooting night. They had an awful shooting night tonight. They yeah. shot twenty eight percent from three. That was they didn't they did not shoot the ball well tonight. Yeah. You're not you're you're right. That that's that is the my biggest option. They did it, not play they did not shoot the ball well. And, and again, that's exactly what we mean when we say that Dallas has more answers. Yeah. That they don't need like look, they hit twelve threes, but you they took forty three of them. They shot twenty eight percent. They didn't need to hit twenty one threes to beat the Jazz. That's not their formula. Their formula isn't ridiculous outstretch shooting. It's just that they're taking way more threes and they're still getting to the rim and they're not relying on these insanely difficult floaters that Jordan Clarkson can shoot 80% on somehow. Somehow he somehow he's doing it. Again, respect yeah, to him. Yes, yeah, like, respect to him. Like they're challenging him to hit hard shots. He's like, oh, I'll do that. That's right, that's right, my right. thing. Yeah. I don't and, mean to be like Bill Simmons body language doctor, but like those post-game press conferences for the Jazz, those guys did not look like guys who had answers. They looked yeah. like guys who were like, yeah, they look, they they got our number. Even Donovan Mitchell, they were like, you're not playing well. You're like, well, like, Dorian's guarding me. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. He's good at defense. Like, he just didn't, none of those guys looked like they had, even Quinn was like, I I don't know. Like, we, we, we thought we had good shots. We competed. I did, we, they don't sound like guys with answers. They don't look like they have answers. And they look like they're just... They're happy that the game, the series went to six games. Because honestly, right now, this series would be over, quite yeah. honestly. If the Mavericks had just been normal for the last 40 seconds of that last game four, this series would be over. Yeah. We would be talking about, are we going to play Phoenix? Or are we going to play Utah? I'm not, or, or New Orleans? And Luke getting a rest. It, this series should be, you shouldn't be having a book flight to. Luke getting a rest. Luke getting a rest. I heard a rest. Look, Gookie getting arrested would be a horrible. <laughs> I don't even want to put that energy into the atmosphere. I'm not even sure what he would. What, I don't, what, what thing do you think he would most likely get arrested white for? White collar crime. Luke has been embezzling money through like crypto funds. Like he has like a bad <laughs> NFT for for like Fortnite. He walked out of a Seven Eleven and forgot to pay. <laughs> Just straight up forgot to pay. Like he was listening to some uh, Slovenian music on the side, and this is a good. This is a good blog. Someone who out there can, can write the <laughs> top five crimes Luca could be arrested for. Uh, his his uh, his fancy sports car is like three years out of registration. Listen, he, but he got it imported from Slovenia. His HOA could get mad that like they didn't like mow their lawn correctly. Like I was gonna say, you don't get arrested for that. Then I just remembered HOAs are the devil. Yeah. You, they, they, they might actually have that power. They, they do. I mean, he, he lives in a nice neighborhood, so like, yeah. We, we could be wary for Game Six or even the, the second round if he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> most long. All right, let's get out of here. Uh, I will be in Utah on Thursday for the last time ever in my entire life. Just kidding. Utah has nice places. It's, Salt Lake City is a nice city. It's beautiful. It's it's, it's fine. Utah is a bad city. Salt Lake City is great though. Okay, okay, that's that's fair. You know, like they got they got. I'm not. I don't ski. You know, I I, I didn't grow up like that. But uh, you know, I'm sure if I did, I'd, I'd have appreciation for it. You know, Sundance Film Fest is out there. Not in Salt Lake, but wherever it's that close. city. It's close. There's there's value to Utah. 
Um, the Jazz? No comment. There's not much jazz in Utah, so. Not much at all. See y'all Thursday. He plays Fortnite just like me. I am 34. Don't fight the future, honey. Don't fight the future. The future is Luca. Big Dick Donchich from the home of Melania Trump. How many kids you hit? Don't fight the future. It tears me apart. Don't fight the future. Please be nice to Luca. Future four-time MVP. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down! Let's go home! It's a wrap, Doug! That is a wrap. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.